following is a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more information on Shaw, for our teaching resources, visit www.shaw.org.nz. Kia If you have your Bibles this morning, turn with me to Matthew chapter 25. We're going to be reading from verse 14 through to 30. It's the parable of the talents, the parable of the three servants, whatever your Bible says. And I'm Brad, by the way, for those of you that have never met me. Kia ora. Let me just get set up here. Um, this morning, I don't know if you've noticed, not just this morning, but in the last few weeks, we've kind of unintentionally been on this Kingdom of Heaven series. Super unplanned. Uh, I know Grant a few weeks ago talked about being disciples in the Kingdom of Heaven and what that looks like, what it looks like for His grace to be what it is that works through us. You know, it's not our work, it's not uh, anything to do with us. You know, uh, we, before God, we're just miserable sinners, and it's His grace that saves us alone. And then last week, we had Reuben talking about, I'm just really aware, I'm going to knock my water bottle over, I'm just trying to avoid it. Um, Reuben talked about the kingdom of heaven, right? And he talked about, he expanded on that, talked about how the kingdom of heaven is God's reign through His people for the renewal of His world. And this morning, and so this, I was preaching this Sunday, he asked me to, before those messages were even planned, and I'm going to be talking about, again, the kingdom of heaven, and how it's about what God puts in us and how he can use those things in us uh, to advance his kingdom. So that's where we're going to go this morning. So Matthew 25, verse 14, and I'm going to get a young legend up here to read it this morning, Mr. Davies. Coming up, Nathan. Can we give Nathan a bit of a round of applause? Yeah. Um, yeah, you can work. You're smart, mate. You got it. Yeah, nice. Morning, everybody. Uh, Brad has asked me to read this in Spanish this morning, so here we go. Uh, la parabola de las bolsas de oro. No, I'm joking, I'm joking. The parable of the bags of gold. Matthew 25, 14 to 30. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also, the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, You entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. In the man of... Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. 
So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers, so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Awesome job, mate. I actually did ask him to read it in Spanish. <laughs> that is funny. I was joking, but I love it. I don't know about you this morning, but this scripture, it challenges me big time. Like, it's encouraging, it's inspiring, but it's really challenging. And I don't know if your gut reaction this morning reading that is like what mine has been in the past, is one of, oh my goodness, am I burying my talent? Am I using what God has given me and put in my life for his kingdom? And so I, I just say that this morning because as much as uh, this is a challenging word for us this morning, it's, it's challenging for me to reflect, am I using what God has given me? Are we using what God has given us for his purposes? So let's dive in. There's a lot you can bring out of the scripture. I'm just going to bring a little bit. Uh, hands up. Oh, no, I'm going to edit mode. Get out of edit mode. Hands up this morning. This is always uh, risky, almost as risky as asking church to clap sometimes. <laughs> if you this morning, in the last month, I'm looking for honesty here, have neglected a chore or a responsibility at home or, uh, oh, there you go, at work, anyway. Look at these hands. Awesome. Paul Gillies, mate, get that hand up. Um, and for all those hands that are down, well done, good and faithful servants. Um, can we get the next slide up, my friend? So in my household, this is uh, our chore wheel. And uh, at our house, the log cabin, our house, our flat's called. You know, you've got a cool flat when it's got a cool name. So we've got four chores. I came up with the system, not the, the drawing there, but someone else made that. But, so we've got kitchen. I hate that one. It's my least favorite. Uh, it's a bomb in our kitchen all the time for some reason. Uh, we've got lounges. That's a, that's a week off, really, you know. Tidy the lounge and vacuum it. Easy. Then we've got bathroom. That's okay. It's not too bad doing the bathroom. And then we've got driveway and deck. That's the one everyone, want, everyone wants to be on because all you've got to do is take the, the bins up once every... It's driveway, deck, and bins, and tea towels, yeah. You know, twice, twice in a fortnight. And the whole system works. You've got to do it twice in two weeks. It doesn't matter when you do it. You just have to do it twice in two weeks. Quite simple, right? Mm. So, I can honestly tell you, a couple of weeks ago, I was on kitchen. In my two-week rotation of kitchen, I did it none of times, <laughs> zero times. I neglected my chore. I was lazy, irresponsible, and I, I share this this morning. And that, you know what? That, the funny thing is, I can't now, because I haven't done my kitchen, I can't now turn to another flatmate and go, hey, mate, what? you're on lounge, aren't you? It's a mess. He's going to turn around and go, well, look at the kitchen. No, so you kind of back yourself into a corner when you don't do your chores. But I share this analogy for two reasons. The first one is in James 5 or 6, it talks about to confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. So Noah, my flatmate, I'm confessing that to you. I didn't do kitchen and you were after me, I think, so I'm very sorry. But you haven't done it in a week, so there you go. I knew it. But the other reason is because we all live in this flat together, 
We have shared responsibilities because we coexist together. We have to work together to keep the place clean. We're in the same boat and we want to look after the place. In the same way, this parable this morning is talking about how we as Christians, coexisting together here on earth as the church, we have responsibilities. We have things God has called us to do in our salvation, in in our journey here on earth. It's not like salvation is the end of your journey. You know, you don't live your life to a point where you meet Christ or you fully, you know, decide to follow Jesus and then that's it. You're done. You're in. You got the golden ticket, you know, ticket to heaven. You're good. Put your feet back. Let's enjoy the rest of life. No, no, no. It's the start of your journey, your salvation. A A journey that's an eternal journey. It's just the beginning. And it's really exciting. So, it's just a reminder, really, that we're called to walk and grow in Christ and use what God's put in us. So if we unpack the first two parts, verse 14 and 15, there is so much in verse 14 and 15. I'll try my best to pull some of it out. We've obviously got the parallel here. Jesus talking to his disciples. We've got the parallel here of Jesus leaving earth when he ascends to heaven during his first coming and then him returning one day on the day of judgment. And so he's talking about that time period that we're all living in right now, the time between, you know, the day of the kingdom coming to earth and when Jesus was first here. And I just want you to notice something. The master, and this is just a bit of an encouragement, because if you're like me, and sometimes you get reaction when you read a parable like that, you kind of feel that, oh, what am I doing for the Lord? Am I, what am I meant to do for the Lord? What's my purpose here? Notice that the man, the master, didn't call the farmers together and say, all right, I want you to make me some money. Go for it. He didn't ask them to make a return from nothing, did he? He gave them a starting point, the bags of gold. Some um, translations talks about the talents, and I'll talk about that a little bit later. But do you notice that all of them were given something to start with, to work with in the beginning? John 16, verse 6. Says, but very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Who's the advocate? Holy Spirit. The good news is, church, this life that we're called to live, we're not on our own. Scripture says that the same Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives in us. Isn't that good news? the great comforter, our constant companion. He is always with us. Life's hard, I know, but he is always in us, always with us. And so this morning, whatever we do, it's not our own strength, it's not our own works, it's through him, and we lean in his strength. Amen? So let this be encouraging when we feel the fear of what we're called to do. And what are these talents or the bags of gold or the bags of silver that the Scripture talks about? Well, there's a couple of different avenues of thought within uh, Bible comment- commentators and that area. And uh, I, I, I think they work together, to be honest. I think they're not one either, either or. I think they actually complement each other, the different views of thought on what the talents are that Jesus is explicitly talking about here. The first view is that the talents are the gifts of the Spirit, the gifts that the Spirit Gives you. Now, I know when I hear the gifts of the Spirit, I think 1 Corinthians 12, just in my mind, right? You know, speaking in tongues, prophecy, words of knowledge. You think of those supernatural things. But 
Listen to this in Romans 12, verse 6. It says this, we have different gifts. I think I've got it up there too, so you can follow along. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Some of us might not be able to relate to this, some of those supernatural gifts that we read in Scripture, but we can relate to some of those, can't we? In this room this morning, you might not have known that. You know, you know maybe you're pretty good with, your, with leadership opportunities. Or you're pretty good at leading others. Well, here it is right here, talking about how it's a gift God has given into you, unto you. Encouraging others. We can all do that, can't we? We can all encourage others. Who knew that there's more to encouraging others than what we thought? But it's actually something that God has placed in us. The other, obviously, school of thought is, uh, among Bible commentators is the gifts or the talents are things that you're innately good at in your nature, given to you, you know, from birth. Skills, passions, things of yours that you're really um, enthusiastic about and you know you're good at. And you might not think of them as spiritual things, but the reality is, you know, it says that he formed you in your mother's womb, didn't he? All those desires, all those passions, all those things you're, you're naturally good at or you work to get good at, when you think about it in a roundabout way, it's all God orchestrating it all, isn't it? I believe it. Others also talk about how the talents and the gifts of the Spirit can be the things you are blessed with, you know, whether it's finance, whether it's uh, your house, your home, your knowledge, whatever it might be. Is that making a little bit of sense? All right, let's move on. In proportion to their abilities, if you go to the next slide, my friend, I think I've hot. Here we go. I just want to pick out a couple of things in verses 14 and 15. And notice how it says, in proportion to their abilities. I even highlighted it. That's as clever as I can get on a slideshow. I'm sorry. And it's always yellow. I always use the yellow highlighter. None of that green and blue highlighter. Notice this. This tells me, in, according to his, each of his ability, we all have something to contribute. All of us in this room, no matter, and I wrote this down, whether you're rich or poor, male, female, young, old, healthy, sick, God still can and will use you. He still puts talent in your life. He gives you things to fulfill his purpose for you and through you. I don't want anyone in this room this morning to believe the lie that you're not called by God or you, you don't have something to contribute to the kingdom of heaven, or that you have to be on a church staff to be officially you know, doing things for the kingdom of God. That's just simply not true. It's simply not true. God will use you wherever you are. You know, It's not just the likes of Donovan or, or Reuben or Biffy or all these amazing people that we look up to and respect. It's actually all of us in every area of influence that we have in our lives. And you might be like me, and I've thought in the past, well, what do I have to contribute? And then you start to do this thing where you start to give a, kind of excuses as to why God can't use you or won't use you or hasn't placed skills, talents in your life to, to bring kingdom moments. If you remember, Reuben talked about that last week, kingdom moments. Sometimes the kingdom of God doesn't actually 
exactly look like sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ and the, the importance of repenting of sin and coming to know him and what he did on the cross. Now, we all know that's important, right? But sometimes the kingdom of God, like Reuben said, are those little moments when you're loving others. Notice in Romans 12, 6, it talks about all these gifts according to grace God's given us. It's to serve others, encourage others, teach others, show mercy to others, lead others. Sometimes the kingdom moment, like Reuben said, is shouting somebody a coffee and having a chat. Sometimes the conversation will lead to Christ, and that's awesome, but sometimes it won't. It doesn't make it any less of a kingdom moment. But I want to, can we flick to the next slide? First person to tell me who this is. Thank you, Moses. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It's not actually Moses. There weren't cameras back there, back in those times. But... I used to think I knew my biblical heroes, right? You know, Paul the Apostle. What a legend. You read, I'm reading Acts at the moment, and it's just blown my mind what Paul was getting up to back in the day, you know? Um, Jesus is a good one. Yep. Jesus. Uh, we have David. We can relate to David. Peter. Peter gets a lot of flack. I really like Peter, you know? Peter's the man. But then there's Moses. I was reading Exodus and Genesis last year, and I was reading through the story of Moses. And actually, Moses' highlight reel, you know when athletes have a highlight reel? Moses' highlight reel would be one of the best ones to watch. When you go to the movies and you watch the trailer before the film, the trailer of Moses will be so jam-packed, it'll blow your socks off. You know what I mean? Think about what Moses did in his life, leading the Israelites out of captivity in Egypt and slavery. The Red Sea, that's a big one. Um, the water at the rock, manna from heaven, changing the mind of God, depending on how you interpret that scripture. All of these things that we would, me and you would agree this morning, Moses had talent. Moses had gifts of the Spirit in him, fruits of the Spirit in him, and he used those things for God. Would, you, would we agree on that this morning? Now, we know, obviously, it's, it's God through Moses. We are just vessels. We're just the in-between. It's all glory to God. But Moses was one of those conductors. Moses was one of those vessels that God chose. We would agree on that. But I don't know how many of you know that in Exodus 3, and you can go there if you want to and have a look at it yourself now. I haven't got it up here. But in Exodus 3, do you know he refused God six times at the burning bush? I think this is where we can relate most to Moses, when we know that we've got something maybe God's put in our lives to advance his kingdom, but we have excuses, and it's one of the reasons maybe we don't. I can relate to Moses because the first thing he said was, do you not know who I am, Lord? Do you not know what I've done? You can't use me. I'm not worthy. Why did he say that? You've got to remember, he was in Midian for a reason, this burning bush encounter. He was in Midian because he was living in exile for doing what? Murdering an Egyptian, right? He was a murderer. He was living in exile. He thought his past disqualified him. How many of us this morning think our past disqualifies us? What does God respond? I will be with you, Moses. For anyone in the room this morning that thinks, I can't be used by God because I've done some terrible things. God's saying, I I will be with you. It's his grace. Then, we use, then Moses has another excuse, which we can probably relate to. He talks about his stutter or his 
inability to form words. He talks about how his, he can't speak properly. And, and, you know, Bible historians talk about how Moses most likely had a stutter or some kind of speech impediment. What is he doing? He's now looking at not what God's put in his life, but he's looking at the things he's not good at. Looking at his own flaws and using that as a reason why I can't, I can't do what you've asked me to do, Lord. I wonder how many of us do that. I can't because of this in me. But God's response in that moment was, I will give you the words to say. God always has a, an answer for our excuse, eh? He's cheeky like that. And he goes on and on. Another one he talks about is, what will people, how will people believe you sent me, Lord? How will people know? He's here talking about fear of man creeping in. Happens to us too, doesn't it? One of the biggest reasons I get nervous and I don't want to come up here and preach in front, there's like 200 of you or something in the room right now, all looking at me. I'm pretty terrified. You, probably, you wouldn't know it, but I'm, I'm just speaking to just hide that. But if I gave into the fear of the Lord, I, I wouldn't be up here preaching today. You know? Sometimes we just got to, and, and, and then the Lord says, tell them that I am who I am and I am sent you. Sometimes we just got to remember that we can lean into the grace and goodness of God. And then if we go to the next slide, thank you, Moses. Verse 14 to 15, I told you there's a lot in this first two verses. Five talents to one, oh, two to another. I don't know what's going on there. I can't read. But anyway, five to one, two to another, one to another. Some, uh, some t- translations, like the one that Nathan read this morning, talks about the bags of gold. What does this tell me? That they all got given something different. It tells me that we all have different callings, actually, and different gifts. So we shouldn't compare. We shouldn't look to what someone else in the room has that you don't have and think because of that you're any less. Any less talented, any less called by God. It can be easy to look at this parable and go, sucks to be the guy of the one talent. Hey, the one bag of gold. But I want to... I want to share something that blew my mind. Did you know that a talent, historians believe that a talent, because I used to think a talent was like a coin, you know? Talent, two talents, five five talents, right? But a talent was actually a weight of measurement in those times. That's why some translations talks about the bags of gold and how much they weigh, how how much is in each bag of gold. And they estimate that one talent in biblical times was worth roughly 20 full years of working wages. So that, does that change how you see what the man of the one talent was given? Might have been just one talent. But if I handed you 20 years worth of working wages right now and said to invest, you'd think that's a lot of money. That's a lot of responsibility. And obviously, conversely, we look at the guy with the five talents and think, man, he 100, 100 years of working wages in his hand, you know? But what is this saying? It's saying, don't discredit what God has put in your life. Don't discredit what God has called you to do. We're all graced for different areas. My old, in my old church, our pastors say, your vocation is your ministry or your calling. Sometimes we think Sunday morning, this is where all the action happens. And you're somewhat right. But this isn't the church. It's actually a gym. We are the church, aren't we? We are the church. So wherever it is you go when you leave here from your Monday to Saturday, that is where you can bring the kingdom of heaven because what has been placed in you. 
Gerard Maxwell. I don't know if he's in the room this morning. And I, I don't know. I, I didn't say I was gonna. I didn't say I was. Gonna, I didn't tell him I was gonna share this. At the start of the year, we went to Easter camp before the youth, and Gerard had like a here's like a horse float, eh? It's like a it's a horse float. It was like a trailer, whatever it is. And he packed down. I don't even know if he's in the room. Sorry, Gerard. But he packed it down. Ah, there he is, champion. Horse float. Horse float. And filled it full of stuff for us, helped us pack up, drove it back to Auckland, helped us unpack it again at the hub. What a blessing that was for Gerard to give up his time, his, his skills with packing a horse float, his resources to help bless our youth ministry. Now, he might not have been up there, you know, prophesying over young people, but he helped us out in a big way. I believe that's a kingdom moment. That's using what God's put in your life for the kingdom of God. Cooking ministry. I know Biffy and the team have been talking a lot the last few weeks about if you're you know, passionate about cooking, jump on board with the meal ministry thing to bless people in our community and in our church community. I'm telling you right now, if you're good at cooking, if you have a passion and a and a talent for cooking, that is definitely something God can and will use. I can stand up here on the stage this morning and share honestly that I am a living testimony to that. I can testify to that. Many of you may not know, at the start of this year, I was in hospital for a week. I'm 25. I'm young. With a heart attack. And that was hard times. But I'll tell you what, a week in hospital with hospital food, oh, Lord. <laughs> right now we pray, Father, over that food. It was, it was a very hard time, both physically and emotionally, one of the hardest times of my life, you know? Hospital is not fun. People in this room who have been in there, I know you know what I'm talking about. Or if you've visited someone in there, not fun. But when I got out of hospital, the last thing I wanted to do was cook. Still the last thing I want to do, even when I'm out of hospital. <laughs> but I arrived home to a whole bunch of meals from Shaw Community Church. And I can tell you right now, you don't know how much that blessed me. I don't know who in the room cooked those lovely meals. But when you've spent a week eating that, plus the fact you just, just don't feel like cooking, it blessed me immensely. I had people come and read scripture to me in hospital, and I loved that. But the food... Blessed me, big time. I'm telling you right now, these things might seem insignificant, but they're not. Even a good cup of tea. Who thinks they know how to make a good cuppa? Go on. Yeah. No, you're right. That might seem so simple, but if you can make a good cup of tea and invite someone around to your house and give them that cup of tea... And then start talking, start encouraging them, start hearing how they're going. These are things God's put in your life, and it will bring kingdom moments. I hope this is making sense this morning. 1 Corinthians 12, 12. I'm just going to paraphrase this, but it, it talks about, it's that scripture, it's essentially talking, Paul here is talking about unity in the body of Christ, but you can, re, you can relate it to what we're talking about this morning. It, it's the scripture where it talks about how the body is made up not of one part, but of many. You know, and it talks about how the hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you, or the eye can't say to the 
elbow, I don't need you. But they all work together to form the body. We all have different talents and skills and gifts of the Spirit in this room, and collectively together, that is the kingdom of God. So please, please, please don't compare to what other people in the room have, because what you have is what God's put in your life, and he wants to use that for his kingdom and his glory. Amen. All right, so that was 27 minutes in the first two verses. I hope you're ready for an hour and a half. No, I'm just kidding. All right. Let's go to verse 16, 18. We'll, we'll move on a bit quicker here, but there's just lots of gold in there. And there's mo- lots, lots in the scripture I haven't unpacked, but essentially, verses 16 to 18, when Jesus is away, oh, sorry, the master's away, the farmers get to work on investing that money and producing a, um, and multiplying it and getting a return on it. And essentially, words like earned, invest, er- oh, worked, went to work, I didn't highlight very well. Um, all of this just reminds us what the first two verses are talking about, that we are called to do something. We are called to work in the kingdom of God. We are called to do something with what God's put in our lives. Like I said at the beginning, we aren't called to sit around when we're saved. Like, depending on your eschatology views, and I won't get into it, but when Jesus returns one day, it's not a rescue mission for Christians who are holding on for dear life, can't, like can't wait to get out of here, can't wait to get to heaven. He's actually coming back to pick up his workers and his harvest. First Peter 4.10 says, says this, each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others. I wonder if we're starting to think the works and the fruits of the Spirit. Is it for God or is it for other people? Hold that in your mind for now. As faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Another element, another aspect of this is when we work for the kingdom of God, when we allow God to use what he's put in us for kingdom moments and to advance his kingdom and to bring the kingdom of God, he gets glory. When you work hard at work, he gets glory. Something I pray when I drive to work is, and when I drive home as well as a teacher, so Lord, I pray everything I do today, would you get the glory and I give you the glory. And I drive home and I say, Lord, thank you and I praise you for that writing lesson. Praise you for that maths lesson. Lord, I don't know what went wrong in that rocket lesson, but praise you anyway. Teachers in the room, you know, if you get at least two right, you've had a good day. (laughs) But when we bury the talent that God's given us, one element of that is we're robbing God of that glory, aren't we? Let's give God glory by using what he's put in us. And we've got verses 19 through to 24. And this is the, the big return. The master returns from his long journey. What's the parallel? The parallel is Jesus returning. There's this meme on the internet right now, and it's where wives or, or girlfriends ask their husbands or partners, how often do you think about the Roman Empire? I don't understand it. Um, but it's kind of this thing, like, how often do you think about Rome and the Roman Empire? Now, my answer is never. 
I never think about the Roman Empire, but I know people that think about it once a week. Noah's once a week. Weird. My question to you is, how often do you think about Jesus returning? Jesus could return in any minute. He could return in five minutes. Have you ever thought about that? I better get off the stage before he does. But he could return tomorrow. He could return next week. I don't know. He could return any moment. And that's an encouraging thing, but it can also be something that makes us reflect. Are we right with him? Are we, are we putting off something for later in life that we need to get sorted with the Lord right now? This is a bit of a side tangent, but when you think about it, he could return any moment. So I encourage you, church, speak to your father. And look, I just don't want anyone to hear what I'm not saying this morning because it can sound like this is a works-based message, but I'm not saying that at all. I can tell you right now that our righteousness, Scripture says, is like filthy rags. It's not our works. Grant talked about this a couple of weeks ago in his message about um, being called as disciples. We're not saved by our works at all. We're saved through faith in Jesus Christ and what he did for us on that cross. And I'm so thankful because there's no amount of work that we could do that would add up to the measure of what God did on that cross or could cover our lifestyle of separation from him through sin. Martin Luther, he says, we're saved through, saved through faith alone, but faith is never alone. And you look in the scripture, when the, the master returns, look at his joy. When he gathers his servants together and the, the man with five bags of gold, the five talents, says, I invested your money, I've earned five more. And he says, well done, good and faithful servant. With the life I've given you, with, the, with what I've trusted to you, you've gone and done something with it. I don't know about you this morning, but well done, good and faithful servant. Isn't that just what we want to hear one day from our Father? Well done, good and faithful servant. On Fridays at my job as a teacher, I do this thing called Friday finishing. And Friday finishing is one of my favorite times of the week because you get to Friday and you've got about a million unfinished things in the classroom. You know, half-finished writing, half-finished art, half-finished math stuff. And like, you get to Friday and you're just like, okay, well, we need to get all this finished because you want to start something new on the Monday, right? And so every Monday morning, uh, Friday morning, I do this thing called Friday Finishing. And I write on the whiteboard, must-dos and can-dos. So must-dos, these are things you have to do this morning to finish. And here are your can-dos when you're finished. I don't know if that's like, you shouldn't do that as a teacher, but I do it. And it's great. Things get finished. Without fault, every Friday, there's this one kid in particular, but multiple, that'll come up to me after each thing they've finished, you know? Go, Mr. Og, Mr. Og, or, or Matua Brad is my other name. And they'll go, Matua Brad, look, 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 I've finished. And they'll show me their work. And I'll go, oh, awesome, well done, good job. You can take that one off. Good stuff, mate. Off you go. Have you finished everything? No, not yet. Ah, oh, okay, off you go. Then he'll come back again. Matua, I finished, I finished, have a look. Shows me his, his work and I look at it and I go, oh, well done, good job, well done. He comes back every time he's finished one thing on that list, you know, as opposed to like come back when it's all finished. Yeah, that's all right. But why do these kids do this? I think a part of it is they want to hear, well done, good job. 
You've done well. That praise, you know. Well done, good and faithful servant. And then he gives more. And then we have the man of the one talent. And I know, I know I can relate to this man as well. Bearing what God has placed in his life. He was fearful of God's punishment, or the master's punishment, I should say. He was scared of the master, and he was scared he would lose what he was given him. When I first read that scripture, I, I'm going to flick over. Um, I, didn't, I couldn't see anything wrong with it at first, to be honest with you. He got given some money. He didn't lose it. He kept it safe. What's wrong with that? When you read it in context to what Jesus is saying and the, and the entire parable where we're actually called to invest and, and do something with the life God's given us here on earth, on this side of eternity, it makes sense that actually bearing what God's placed in your life is stifling God's spirit through you, isn't it? It's not allowing him to move through you and, and influence the areas and people in your life with the, with the things he's put in your life. We're not called to bury it. And he tried to blame the, the, uh, the master for it. He says, uh, what does it say? Let's go. I'm going to need glasses, guys. Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops. You didn't plant and gathering crops. You didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money. So I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. It was a relational issue between him and the master. Why do I say that it was a relational issue? Maybe that's the reason some of us in this room this morning may feel like we're burying what God's put in our lives. It's because we, we, there's, there's a bit of a breakdown of communication with you and the Father. I don't know. I've had those moments in my life where I feel like there's been a breakdown. It's always, always, it's always on our end when we you know, get through it. When we look back and go, oh, it was me. Because God's always wanting to, to speak and use us. I say I say it's a relational issue because look at 1 John 4.18. If you want to turn there, I'll give you time to if you'd like to because it's one of my favorite verses in, in, in Scripture, but I think it's up here as well. 1 John 4.18. God is love and all who live in God... Oh, I always get that wrong. I practice this a couple times. All who live in love live in God. There you go. And God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment. But we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. Some of us needed to hear that this morning too, I think. God loves you. God is for you, not against you. You don't have to try and arm wrestle God onto your side and try and convince him to love you. He loves you. He wouldn't have died on the cross for you otherwise. There's fear of God, and then there's been afraid of God or scared of God. Sounds the same, but they're actually completely different. The fear of the Lord is a good thing. It's a really good thing. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. Yeah. 
It also says in Scripture that the fear of the Lord, I think it's in Proverbs, stays our hand from sin. When there are things in our life, in my life where I know I shouldn't watch this, I shouldn't say this, I shouldn't get involved with this, it's the fear of the Lord that makes me go, oh, Brad, wait. This is sin. Wages of sin is death. Jesus died on the cross for me. Why would I want to do this and just throw that back in his face? It's the fear of the Lord. When we look at God and go, oh my goodness, wow, you are amazing. Look at what you've created. You just think of the universe and just think of how big it is and infinite and just, wow, God, you are awesome. You know that word, awesome? I think he's the only one that is awesome. In awe of God. That's the fear of the, God, uh, fear of the Lord. And we should have that, all of us. But being scared of God's different. Being scared of God is being, you know, that, that is when we start to bury the, the talent in our life. That's when we start to hide things in our life. I'm not good enough for you, God. I'm, I'm scared that I'm going to get it wrong. I'm scared I'm going to make a mistake. I'm scared that I'm not doing what you've called me to do. I'm scared of you. But God is perfect love. I say that to say this. Give it a go. Think of what God's put in your life and how you can use that for him. And just give it a crack. He's not going to be disappointed in you if you, 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 you don't get it completely right all the time, you know? Think of what God's put in your life. Going back to that Romans 12 verse, you know? Whether there are those things of the Spirit, when you, you know you're good at encouraging others or you're good, you know, you, you, you enjoy giving or, or showing mercy or whatever it might be or things in your life that you know you're good at. Maybe you're just really good at refereeing sports games and you, know, you go to your kid's sports game and they need a referee. Give it a go. You know, I see some dads, eh? You can ref. <laughs> Using our giftings for God is a part of His Spirit flowing through us. When we keep it to ourselves, like I said, it's, it's stifling His Spirit. And this morning, as I come to land this plane, amen, worship team, you can come and join me, please. I'd love, love it if you come on up. Like I, I just want to reiterate, like I'm saying, we're not saved by our works. These things, these talents that we're talking about this morning isn't what saves us. It's through being in a relationship with Christ Jesus. Martin Luther, another quote that I love from Martin Luther is... God doesn't need your works, but your neighbor does. Amen? What God has placed in your life is to love and serve others around you. It's got nothing to do with you earning your right standing with Him in, in heaven. It's how you bring heaven and God's reign, like Reuben said last week, to the world around you. And He's given you something to work with, to start with. And this morning... There's one more slide, I think, my friend. But like I say, yes, we are called to, and I'm relying on it because I didn't put it in my notes. <laughs> we all have something to contribute. Yeah? We all have something to contribute. We all have different callings and gifts. So don't compare. Don't compare. Two talents, five talents, one talent. It's still a lot of responsibility. It's still a lot God's placed in you. We're called to work. We will give an account of our lives before the Lord one day. We will stand before God. Scripture says, Romans 14, verse 10 to 12, so then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Matthew talks about every idle word spoken we will be given an account for. But the good news is, 
that we're saved through faith, not our works. And so this morning, I just want to end by saying this. End this. We all have different callings, but we all have actually, and different talents, but we all actually have one shared calling this morning. And that is to be in a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. No matter who you are, what your past is, we're all called to have a relationship with him. Scripture says that we can enter the throne room of grace boldly, clean and perfect, not because of what we've done, because of what he's done on that cross. And now we get to do this really, really fun thing. Well, sometimes it's not that fun. Where we actually go, hmm, God, what is it you've placed in my life now? What's the purpose? What is my purpose? What can I do for the Lord? What are the things I'm passionate about? Like I said, maybe you're really good at cooking. Go and chat to Biffy. Bless our community that way. Maybe you are, I'm sorry, worship team, I think I called you up early, but hang out with me. Um, we were talking about it earlier, you know, did you just stand here awkwardly waiting? Oh, yeah, let's do it. Um, maybe you, uh, you, you're really good with like logistics. Come and talk to some of the church guys here that set up this place in the morning. Got some ideas, it'd be great. Maybe you're really, really good with hanging out with teenagers and young people. You can relate to them. And we've got an awesome youth ministry that's booming right now. And we've got like seven leaders. You know? When you're, it's, and it's all right. But when you're in a room and it's me and Paulie G and like 15 teenagers, teenage year 19 boys, it, it's a lot of people for a small group, you know? And like I said, this isn't a church recruitment message, I promise. I wasn't put up to this. Because <laughs> I'm not just talking about in church. I said it right at the beginning. This isn't all about ministry in church. This is about in, in your family, in your workplace. Maybe in your workplace you notice a need. Someone needs a spreadsheet made for something, and no one in the office wants to do it. But you're really good at making spreadsheets. I'm like not even joking. That's part of you using what God's placed in your life to bless those around you. This morning you might be in the room and you might be thinking, I've buried my talent. Well, the good news is you're all alive and breathing. So you've got time to, to start thinking, how can I use this for you, God? How can I use what you've put in my life to love others as Christ loved us? Or you might be in the room this morning and you might not know what those talents are I'm going to give you a moment when the worship team start playing now to actually ask God what that is. God, what is it you've placed in my life? What is it I'm good at? What is the talent? What is the gifts of the Spirit you've given me? Ask God. He'll tell you. He might even tell you through somebody else. So ask somebody else. Ask, ask someone in your family. Ask someone in your connect group or life group. What, is, what do you think it is God's made, like, enabled me to be good at? What do you think of the gifts he's given me? Amen? Why don't you stand and join me this morning? This morning, I'm just going to pray for us and the worship team are going to play a song. So if you would love to join me in prayer, be awesome. Lord, 
thank you that this morning, God, that no matter where we are in our lives, you still want to use us. Thank you, God, that you looked at us and went, I'm going to use you like you did with Moses. Thank you, God, that you use your creation as vessels to bring your kingdom on earth. And this morning, Jesus, we just want to say thank you for dying on the cross for us. Thank you, Lord, that no amount of work could suffice. And, we don't, and it doesn't need to. I thank you, Lord, that all it is is us coming to you and having faith in you. And I pray this morning for us in this room that know what our talent is, know what you've given to us for your glory and your kingdom advancing. Would you give us opportunities, Lord, to have kingdom moments, to bring your reign wherever we are. And for those of us this morning that don't know what that is, would you just start to reveal that now? Would you show us what it is you've called us to do, what it is you've placed in our lives? Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. This has been a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more of our teaching resources, or to donate to our teaching resource ministry, or for more information on Shaw Community Church, visit www.shaw.org.nz. Alternatively, you can email office at shaw.org.nz or phone 09 415 0455. Thank you for listening.